0: Good morning. Welcome to Bowling Springs Baptist Church. They say where two or three are gathered, right? So we are here and we are ready to worship. Welcome to Bowling Springs Baptist. We're glad you're here. We are mindful of many that are away today, but let me say happy Father's Day to all our fathers here this morning. And uh, we are just delighted and look forward to what God's going to do as we worship him together today. Let me remind you, if you are a guest this morning, that we do have a section in our bulletin where you can tear out and fill out some information about yourself and place it in the offering plate as it comes by a little later in the service. If you have prayer concerns, I invite you to write those on there as well and place those in the offering plate. We would love to be able to pray for you this week and to come alongside you uh, with the concerns that you might have. We have many activities that continue to take place here at Bowling Springs Baptist And we encourage you to look to the calendar on the back of the bulletin and other inserts and information that um, is taking place. We praise the Lord for a great Bible school. I'll be talking about that a little bit more later in the service. As you could see, the sanctuary was transformed and looked a lot different this week. And as you saw me fumbling around up here with these chairs, we were getting things back uh, together from that this week. And so uh, it was a wonderful week. And we thank all of those uh, who helped, all of you who helped with Bible school and make it a great week. With today being Father's Day, we're gonna open with a video for our call to worship this morning. But uh, yes, it does relate with fathers, but I think, wait just a second. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) But I think uh, uh, all of us can relate to the message of this video, whether a father, a mother, or whether just a mentor or a guide for any young person. Uh, The message of the video is you got this, and we have all had people in our lives. Hopefully it's been parents, But we've also had others throughout our life that have spoken to us when we were right in the midst of wanting to do something and we needed a little bit more encouragement and someone said to us, you got this. And because of their words, we were able to move forward with confidence. And so let this video speak to you and let it open our service today.
1: You got this. A hug might be
0: okay. You got this. Oh,
2: job,
3: Come on, you got this.
0: You got this.
2: Dear Jesus.
4: I want to invite you into my art. I miss you. You got Ms. Douglas, they're ready for you.
3: I think he needs...
1: You got this.
2: Good morning, girls. How are you? Let me see if I can move my little board over here so you can see it. I want to read to you a scripture. And it says, 1 Samuel 16, 7. People look at the outside of a person, but the Lord looks at what's in your heart. My little people here on this board all look different, don't they? In this scripture that I just read, it also says that Lord, the Lord knows every hair on your head, but he doesn't care if you have green eyes, blue eyes, or what color your hair is. He does care if you're loving and sharing and caring If you know how to pray He knows that when you're happy Or when you're sad But there's one thing that matters It's not how you look It's not how you Compare or love other people Don't look at who's got the prettiest hair Or the prettiest eyes Because God's looking at your heart He's not looking at The way I look, or the way you look. But he says, I am looking at what is in your heart, and that's all that matters. So remember that the most special part to God, the most special part of you, is your heart. And you're going to put all these words. Loving and caring and sharing, being happy and even being sad. But the most important thing in your heart, if it would come off my finger, is your love for Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, as you say, we look at the outside, but you look at the heart. Lord, I thank you that you look at these children's hearts, the children that aren't with us today as hopefully they are celebrating with their dads. We thank you, Lord, for the hearts that burst this week in Vacation Bible School with looking and hearing and seeing the game on with you, Lord, and that it didn't matter what we looked like, when we came to Bible school, all of us sitting on the row together, but it was what was in our heart that mattered. And in our heart, Lord, there is one thing. We love you and we thank you for what you do for us every day and that you gave us your son and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.
5: It is good to give you thanks, mighty God, and to call on your name. Your steadfast love greets us every morning, and your faithfulness extends through all hours of the night. There is no place where you are not at work, planting and giving nourishment for growth. You anoint us to be your representatives granting us courage to walk by faith. You lift us out of our ruts so we may experience high and lofty adventures. You gift us with power to bear fruit wherever we are planted. Your help is always available. When we call your name, you answer. May we constantly praise you. We confess that we are often bound by our grief and fears. Our faith wavers. Our confidence is shaken. Our courage fails. We turn away from you in times of trouble, doubting your care, denying your love, defying your will. We chase after our illusions. We judge by appearances. We take pride in our possessions. We shut you out of our lives. How can we bear fruit when we cut ourselves off from our roots? Thank you, God, for hearing our petitions, seeing the best that is in us and recalling us to your peaceful ways. God, you are like a father and mother to all of creation and we thank you for the opportunity of this day when we honor those who guide us as fathers and mentors. We turn to you as our role model for parenting and guiding children and friends. May we be the parents that others need as they wander through this journey of life. Guide us to be mentors in the faith for one another and for others outside these walls. Strengthen us to be strong for others. Enliven us to be filled with your spirit and love that we might be love and grace for the world. In the mighty name of Jesus we pray, amen. Our next hymn is number 488. Come on, Christians, be committed, 488. If you are able, please stand and join in singing.
1: As I look out, I can't help but remember uh, a lot of uh, good fathers have left us and uh, have gone on. Let us to remember those as well. And it and it brings to mind a story uh, that I read. And it's about three little boys. that are bragging on their dads. Little boys like to do that. And uh, they're out on the ball field. And one said, "My dad's so smart." Said he takes a piece of paper and a pencil and writes down a few words. And he calls it a poem and he sells that for $50. Little so said, That's nothing. My dad, he writes down a few words, puts it on a piece of paper, and calls it a song. Said, so He sells that for 100 bucks. Next little boy said, You guys got it all wrong. Said, so My pop, he said, He writes down a few words and uh, puts it on a sheet of paper calls it a sermon and it takes six people to haul in all that dough. (laughs) Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks this morning for all our many blessings. They're too numerous to count. We thank you for our fathers uh, who are here or who have gone on. we, we, we miss those, and uh, we miss the moments we had together. And, and Lord, we, we also thank you for this beautiful day, this beautiful Father's Day. May these gifts we collect today uh, spread thy word throughout all the lands, and may it be pleasing to you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
4: Whoa!
3: tugging at your heels. On. when the devil's at the crossroads trying to make a deal Walk on up the mountain Walk on through the wilderness If you're ever gonna make it to the promised land Walk on, brother
0: Amen. If you were dozing off before they got up, you're wide awake now. Um, Thank you, Aaron and Jennifer. And how appropriate that message goes in with just our day-to-day lives when we get discouraged and somebody comes along and says, either you got this, or somebody may come on along and say, walk on, keep going. You can't stop. No matter what's going on, if you do, you're giving up. And um, we certainly can hear those words from Moses and Abraham and from others to walk on and keep trucking and keep moving. And so thank you, Aaron and Jennifer. I'm sure when uh, Sherry and Jean, mom and dad, told you guys first, you got this, they said, yeah, we do. And they haven't stopped since. They've been walking on. So thank you for sharing. What a great song this morning. Thank you. If you have your Bibles with you, or you can put your attention to the screen this morning, but we're in 1 Samuel chapter 15, the last two verses, and in the first 13 verses of chapter 16. 1 Samuel 15, beginning at verse 34. Samuel went back to Ramah. This is where Samuel was from. Let me add that in there real quick. But Saul went up to his house at Gibeah of Saul. Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death for Samuel grieved over Saul and the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. Now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go and I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite for I have selected a king for myself among his sons. But Samuel said, how can I go? When Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. You shall invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one whom I designate to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said and came to Bethlehem and the elders of the city came trembling to meet him and said, do you come in peace? And he said, "'In peace I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice.' He also consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And when they entered, he looked at Eliab and thought, "'Surely the Lord's anointed is before him.' But the Lord said to Samuel, "'Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees, for a man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart.'" Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Next, Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Thus, Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are these all the children? And he said, there remains yet the youngest. And behold, he is tending the sheep. Then Samuel said to Jesse, send and, bring for me, and send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. So he went and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with beautiful eyes and a handsome appearance. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. And Samuel arose... And went to Rhema. God, I pray that you would add your blessing to the reading and to the preaching of your word today. Speak to each heart, speak to each life in the way in which we need to be spoken to today. God, we acknowledge that many things happen and take place in the course of a week. And Father, oh, how we need to hear from you today. Father, help us to see others the way that you see us and the way that you see the world. Bless each father here today. Encourage him, challenge him, convict us that we may walk in closer fellowship with you so we, we may be the fathers and the mentors that others need. God we love you. Thank you for your love, your great love for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. The last few weeks we have been in a sermon series called God at Work. This morning, we've had some testimonies this morning. We, I'm sorry to say we do not have a testimony this morning, and hopefully that will continue over the next few weeks. But um, we've been looking at God at work, and we've been reminded that the idea of those three words, God at work, it's not passive, but it's something that's active. God is at work. God is at work calling. God is at work responding. God is at work this week. We're going to see seeing We're going to look at some others over the next few weeks, but the idea of God working is not something that's stale. It's not something that's inactive, but it's something that's active. It's something that has taken place in your life this last week, and God will be working as we move into this next week and as we move uh, throughout our summer as well. God was at work this week in Vacation Bible School. As I mentioned earlier, we were... In the process all weekend of kind of getting the sanctuary back together uh, in some semblance of order uh, because of our Bible school. But we had a great week. We had one young man who uh, the church has provided transportation for for years that has become very close to us. Um, And uh, he accepted Christ and put his faith and trust in Christ this week. And we praise the Lord for that. And we also had many other children who indicated that they're asking questions and they want to learn more about what it means to be a Christian. And so not only did we see God working in the children, but we saw God, I saw God as your pastor. It was great to be able to just kind of see and take in what was going on, but it was great to see God the way he was working in the lives of adults. There were some adults that had been teaching Bible school and active in Bible school for years that were once again helping this year. And then there were some new faces this week that I think must have gotten the message you got this before we showed the video this morning because I could see this sense of cautiousness in them as they were working with the kids in Bible school, but yet this sense of confidence as well, like I got this. And so I'm grateful for all of you who helped make our Bible school a great week this week. As we look to our text today, I love the title of an article that I read this week about this First Samuel text. It says, the article was titled, A Nobody That Nobody Noticed. A nobody that nobody noticed in reference to David. David was the smallest and the youngest of Jesse's children and the story leads us to believe that they almost forgot about David. Jesse, I mean, Samuel had to say, are there any others? And they're kind of like, oh yeah, David is out in the field. It's almost kind of like he's an afterthought. I'm grateful that God sees not as you and I see and not as humankind sees. I'm grateful that God looks at the heart and not one's physical appearance. <clears throat> Having said that, now, one of the most obvious things about Keith McKinney, I, feel, I hesitate to even say this, but I feel like it's just kind of obvious. One of the most obvious things that um, I live with daily, and for whatever reason, it seems like it's pointed out more at gas stations than anywhere, but it's my height. I'm standing in line to pay for my gas because you can't pay cash at the thing. And so if you want to pay cash, you got to go in. I hate going going in the gas station, but if you go in and you got to, Here, put ten in, twenty in, thirty in, whatever it is. And as I'm standing there waiting on someone, either the person behind me, I'm like right behind them, and they turn around and then then they kind of do this, and it kind of startles them to see this tall man behind them. But for whatever reason, I don't know why, gas stations seem to be the worst. It's it's the uh, you know how tall are you? Did you play basketball? And all of this Um, when I traveled with Baptist retirement homes for close to three years. I would go in strange church, not the people were strange, but different churches, churches that were strange to me and speak on behalf of Baptist Retirement Homes. And because of what happened in the first few churches I went in after the service, how tall are you? Did you play basketball? I just open up my time to kind of break the ice and say, good morning, I'm Keith McKinney. Glad to be here today. Just want to get something out of the way. I did play basketball. And of course that everybody laughs, whatever. And then then I can get that out of the way to avoid the 20, 30, 40, 50 questions afterwards uh, as people come by. And, and, and greet me. But um, <clears throat> if we were acting out this story that we've read today in in 1 Samuel, uh, I would play the part of the first son, Eliab, probably. I don't know about the strength part, but at least the tall part uh, I've got. If we read Samuel 16, five through seven, let's read it again real quick. It says, uh, he said, he said, in peace I have come to the sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Uh, He also consecrated Jesse's sons. When they entered, he looked at Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, stature because I have rejected him for God sees not as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You know, scripture is clear in several places. About not looking at one's outward appearance to determine success, worth, or value. In John, 20, John 7, 24, Jesus himself says, stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. It's kind of like looking at every tall, big, strong guy and just assuming, oh, well, you played football, you know? And I'm, for all the guys that could fit that description here, I'm sure that you get that, you get that question. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 7 and verse 10, in verse 7, he says, do not look at outward appearances. And later in verse 10, Paul is quoting what others have said about him. In 2 Corinthians ten, ten, he says, his letters are weighty and forceful, but in person he is unimpressive and his speaking amounts to Nothing. For those of you who have studied Paul and heard a lot of teaching that we've done here at the church on Paul, you may be mindful of that verse, that Paul could be very bold in his letters, but yet in person, they said he is unimpressive and his speaking amounts to nothing. God used Paul in tremendous ways, and yet we read that his appearance was unimpressive and he wasn't the best speaker. The Reverend Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is quoted as saying, many of you have heard this, that one day children will be judged not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And what matters most is the heart. As we look to today's passage, one of the things that I pointed out earlier <clears throat> that serves as bookends for the passages that we've read today is in 15, chapter 15, verse 34, it says, Samuel went to Ramah which was Samuel's main location. He would, he would tour around Gilgal and some other cities to judge and, and to speak on behalf of the Lord, but he would always come back to Ramah. That's what it says in, verse, in chapter 15, verse 34. And then at the end of today's passage, in chapter 16, verse 13, it says, once again, Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Both this passage and at least two of its actors, in other words, in virtually right where They started, both Samuel and, of course, Saul. This is kind of in a this is a transitional passage here in Saul's story. It's kind of a break from what's going on, from the narrative flow of King Saul rise and fall. A new king is being secretly anointed while one is still reigning and going down a dark path. More going, there's more going on here than meets the eye. Have you heard that saying before? That may be a dad saying. I don't know, I could have gotten into that this morning, you know, the the bad dad jokes, but I'll I'll refrain. A new king had, um, a new king and not just any new king is anointed and yet there are no speeches, there's no big party, there's no inaugural coronation ball, there's no grand coronation parade, there's no God save the king or hail to the chief, there's just Samuel went to Ramah. And then right back in other words to where he had started from chapter 15 and verse 34. The newly anointed David, too, seems to go right back to where he came from, back to to herding sheep. What's more, nothing seems to have changed for Israel either. The spirit spirit who was abandoned by Saul in chapter 16, verse 14, has moved in with David. But But our text in, Saul is still Israel's sitting king, while David is Israel's anointed king in whom the spirit rests. Saul is still on Israel's throne at the text end for today. And so Israel still has the same increasingly self-destructive monarch, Saul, who continues his steep plunge toward apparent mental and spiritual illness. Saul started out great. Everything was great with Saul. But here again is a little bit of a transition. And we get the, the tone that things are about to change. The text today reminds us, as our sermon series is titled, God is always at work or God at work, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, even when we can't see it. God is always working, often in more ways, again, that meets the eye. We'll get get to the God seeing in just a moment, but first we have God and his prophet grieving. If you notice this in the passage, It says in in verse 35, Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death, for Samuel grieved over Saul, and the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. We have a grieving God who sends a grieving prophet to anoint a young man to replace Saul, Israel's current king. Since, however, Samuel knows that Saul is still on Israel's throne, he worries that if the king hears about this mission, that he will kill him. It's also a theologically difficult phrase to say and read in verse 35, where it says, God regretted or was sorry or grieved that he had made Saul king. How does an omnipotent, omniscient God regret anything? Some of you may have already been asking that question. You may know the physical answers, and the phrase is showing us an aspect of a divine God in human terms. Similar phrasing appears in other sections of the Bible, such as the period before the flood in Genesis six, seven, and the judge's cycle of repentance and deliverance in Judges two eighteen, These passages give us a better sense of the concept of God grieving, that God truly weeps and has compassion over his people. We see this manifested in the life of Jesus Christ when his good friend Lazarus was in the tomb. The scripture tells us there in John that Jesus wept. If you're looking for a scripture memory verse, you could start there, it's two words. But not only do we see God grieving, we see God comforting. Samuel is clearly distraught over the instructions and the command that God has given him to go to the sons of Jesse to anoint a new king because he knows that Saul is the reigning king. Why would he go and anoint a new king when Saul still sits on the throne? And so Samuel feels a sense of fear and intimidation about what God has asked him to do. Although he began as a strong and faithful king during the course of his reign, Saul became increasingly paranoid, perhaps infatuated with his own sense of rule and things began to take a turn for Saul. God asks Samuel the question, how long will you grieve over Saul? Of course, this question can be read in a multitude of ways. Is God frustrated with Samuel? Is Is God angry or is God truly trying to comfort Samuel? And I believe that all of these are true, but if you read the preceding passages, God shows much compassion to Samuel. The most natural reading of the question is that God wants to comfort his leader. He's saying, he's asking Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul? The opening question of verse 1 and 16 is is comforting, but God does not stop there. He assures Samuel that it was God who rejected him as king. Herein lies a reference to 1 Samuel 8 when God is rejected by the people. God is now rejoicing, excuse me, rejecting the failing kingship. So God is comforting Samuel in the midst of going to anoint a new king. He's letting him know that he said, tell him that you're going as a sacrifice and make a sacrifice to the Lord there. And so Samuel grabs the heifer and and he goes there proceeding to make a sacrifice and to worship with Jesse and his sons. But not only is God grieving, again, God is at work actively. Not only is God grieving and not only is God comforting Samuel, but God is also promising. He's also promising. After comforting, God then promises a way to restore the kingship by declaring that Saul was rejected it presents a conundrum who is the next one to lead this monarchy what was a theocracy is now a monarchy under Saul and who is the next one to lead in fact god reveals the selection of a new king from the line of Jesse from Bethlehem and interestingly the promise of god is not one-sided but depends on obedience not on i mean not only from god but on the part of the recipient as well. Samuel, in order to receive the promise, he prepares for worship. He risks his life by entering into this territory. In the midst of a reigning king, he goes to anoint a new king. The main point today we get to in verse seven is that not only is God grieving and comforting and promising, but God is seeing. And God surprises us by seeing what we do not and what we can often not see. In the ceremony, it's understood that the eldest son would receive the anointing and it would be natural for the firstborn to receive this honor of being king, but yet that's not what we find here. As I said earlier, it's kind of like they go through this line, it's almost like this red carpet for Jesse's sons and the first one looks great and that's gotta be the king and God says, no. And then the next two come by and all seven come by. And then it's, it, we see it here in the scripture passage. It's almost like they're like, oh, wait a second. Yeah, we've got one more. We've, we almost forgot about him. It's David and he's out, he's out with the sheep. He's out with the sheep. I remember a, um, I, well, I'd say it like this. As I look back through my ministry, some of the pastors that stick out in my mind one in particular, when I was serving as youth minister, I'm not sure, well, I think he was, he was about five, two or three probably, but I look back and, and many of the pastors that i served with, and I would often be in a church as a youth minister during the midst of an interim period. And I, I think I look back on that as God training me for what eventually I didn't know I would be doing, and that's being a pastor. And so I had opportunities during those interim periods to lead and do things within the church. And one of the churches where I came in um, the pastor was there when I when I came in to serve as youth minister. Um, was probably the shortest man that of all the pastors I've ever served with, but yet one of the strongest and and uh, best ministers, best pastors that I ever served with as a youth minister, and taught me great things. And I think I thought about him in relationship to this story uh, today about Samuel anointing young David. First Samuel sixteen seven here gives. Um, Gives us this theological gem, if you will, for the Lord does not see as mortals see, they look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You know, as we think about God working his w- working in us, His ways are often confounding to us, but that should not be surprising to consider how little we know compared to the omniscient God who we serve. God defies cultural convention, expected norms, even when norms may have good reason. But not only do we see God seeing and surprising us with this anointing of David, but well, we also know that, know that God anoints and God's, God sets apart many of us, many of you, all of us, for leadership and service to him. Samuel knows that something is off, so he asks, is there no one left? In verse 11, and already Samuel is confused since the firstborn has already been rejected. It's, it's confounding to Samuel. He knew that the promise was made that God and, and that God was faithful, but son after son has been rejected. So it turns out the youngest son was not present despite the declaration that the king would be among the sons. And yet the son, that one son, David, is not there when he goes through the list. David was so much not even on the radar that he he did not even make the journey. But just as God rejects the expected, he then selects the most unexpected as he did with David. Today we are reminded that God does not look at the outward appearance, but he looks at the heart of the person. I wanna invite you, encourage you this morning to think about your own heart and what is the condition of your spiritual heart this morning. We're all guilty of judging others by outward appearance at times. If we're honest, I think we can all confess that this morning. For those who are on the edge of a first time commitment to Christ or for those who are on the edge of recommitting their lives to Christ or maybe responding to Christ, in some new way, God may be speaking to you like the heavenly parent he is and saying what we heard earlier in today's service, you got this. There may be some of you, and I'm convinced that there are certainly some in here this morning who, and some of you I've I've talked with, where God is working in your heart. He may be calling you to some new service, something that uh, would be uh, out of the norm for you. Uh, a little different for you, maybe, uh, maybe to use the word radical, you, maybe you've, you haven't stepped out and done these types of things in service to God before, but yet I want you to know that God is speaking to you again like that heavenly parent and reminding you of what we saw in that video at the beginning of the service, you got this. I'm grateful that when I was young in high school and then even in college and beyond, as I felt God's call on my life and was asked to do new things, maybe it was preach for the first time, I wouldn't want to go back there again, or whether it, whatever it may have been, or going to visit someone who was in a very distraught situation and I knew that I didn't know exactly what I needed to say, I'm grateful that I had other ministers alongside of me, pastors at the time, or other ministry friends who were saying to me, you've got this, Keith. You, you can handle it. You've got this. God is speaking to you this morning. In the midst of challenging us, in the midst of reminding us not to see other people the way the world looks at one another based on height or stature or, or physical appearance, God is reminding us that he looks at our hearts. And when we think about this, it's radical. It's radical, it can change the way that we relate with God when you realize that he's not looking at our outward appearance, he's looking at our heart and it can change the way we look at the world, the way that we look at family and the way we look at our our community and the world around us is the fact that God wants us to see others the way that he sees us. One of the things we can do when we see ourselves the way that God sees us and the difference we can make in the lives of others when we begin to see them the way that god sees them it says oh um, what i meant to say is oh the things that we can that we can see oh the things that we can experience when we begin to see others the way that god sees us we're all guilty of this at times god is at work drawing all of us closer to him He's conforming our will and our ways and the ways that we see the world into his image. And he's doing that work through you and through me. Father, thank you for this message today. Thank you for the challenging message to see others the way that you see us. Forgive us, Lord, when we have looked at man's outward appearance and not looked at his heart. God, we're grateful for the ways that you look at us and remind us, encourage us as we think about new opportunities for service or new ways of relating with those whom we love, stepping out in faith to do new things. We hear that voice in our spirit that is you reminding us and telling us you've got this. For the fathers here today that are struggling with how to uh, have conversations with their children about difficult issues. For all parents and leaders who are here today struggling with how to move forward in the midst of the uncertain times that we live in or that have questions about how to proceed with direction for their life and their career. Lord, help us to hear and to respond to your voice today. God, thank you for loving us just as we are. And thank you for not leaving us that way, but, but thank you for moving us closer to you We ask this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna stand and sing together today and uh, if the Lord has uh, spoken to your heart, you can uh, have prayer there where you are or I would love to have prayer with you and would love to invite you to respond to the ways the Lord is leading and moving and working in you this morning. We're gonna stand and sing hymn number 687, Would You Bless Our Homes and Families. If you're here today and desire church membership, I invite you to come and we can talk more about that. Let's stand together. Again, happy Father's Day to all and I understand and you guys can help me. I just heard this earlier today right before the service that we have a new addition in the church family. Is that correct? From the Hamrick's, uh, uh, Miles and Alyssa, I believe. Uh, so the world has welcomed in another Hamrick and uh, we rejoice with them and just are very excited about them and what a tremendous Father's Day. Was this last night for those that, was it yesterday? Or was it this morning? It was yesterday, okay. So we we are excited for them and we just rejoice with them. So I thought I would mention that. Let me just quickly say that um, many of you have noticed the trailer on the far side of the the LEC, the gym. Uh, Items are being collected now each day during the week for um, the yard sale. There'll be some Saturdays coming up here soon where uh, people can bring in their items and place it in there, but you can also do that now during the week. And so I'm grateful for those of you who have been bringing items. All the sales from the yard sale on July the 14th will go towards Guatemala Missions and the trip that we have upcoming. And so we already thank you for many of you that have already donated items and we're continuing to collect them for that trip. So glad you're here today. Hope you have a good Father's Day. Uh, Stay hydrated, stay cool. It's gonna be hot. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day. I thank you uh, for each one in the room. I'm thankful for your love for us. Lord, help us and teach us to see others the way that you see us. Lord, thank you for reminding us with that still small voice, you got this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.